will come from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to be talking about the importance of sound teaching and Paul's call to the churches in Galatia to invest in sound teaching. And uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, we see uh, the importance of teaching and the content of teaching. And uh, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1, the word of the Lord says, Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, and you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you walk by the way, when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have this morning, this glorious Lord's Day, to gather together to offer you our worship and our praise. And Lord, we're thankful that we can come to your throne of grace and receive help and mercy in our time of need. Lord, we pray for Mr. Payne and pray that you would uh, just grant him grace and strength and perseverance during his physical challenges. And Lord, the uh, transition to assisted living, and we just pray for your your comfort and your grace and your peace for him and his wife and just help them as they, uh, as they grieve the losses that they've experienced, as they transition and that you would also just give them your comfort and your peace and grant all that they need to be able to, to flourish and to enjoy this season of their lives, Lord. And uh, we pray for them and pray for your, your grace, pray for the staff of the facility to where they're going and Lord, we pray for their family members, and we ask that you would we grant them your comfort and peace. And we, we thank you for Mr. and Mrs. Fikes as they uh, friends with them from a distance and just help them and comfort them as they speak words of comfort and encouragement to their, to their friends. Lord, we do pray for uh, Ken and Amanda as they travel, as they have vacation. We pray that they would be safe in their journeys and that... Uh, they would come back refreshed, renewed, relaxed, and restored, and ready for a new school year, and, and for the uh, refresh for all the, the important work that Ken does, and we pray for, for grace as, as they have vacation. And we pray for Mike and Jeannie today, Lord, and just ask your grace and, uh, to them, and we pray your, your comfort and provision for them as well. And Lord, we thank you that we can gather together to worship. Thank you for our church. Thank you for this meeting place that you have provided for us. And Lord, thank you for this day that you have made. And we pray for the grace to rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we pray that your spirit this morning would uh, empower us to worship. 
you in spirit and truth, Lord, that the name of Christ would be exalted, that you would be lifted up, that we would see your glory, and that by seeing your glory, we would be drawn to worship you in spirit and truth. Pray that you, uh, your spirit would lead us and guide us as we seek to be those worshipers that you seek. And it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Right, I invite you to take out your hymnal and turn with me to hymn 340 with me in your Bibles to... Uh, the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 6. As we come to the highlight of our worship service, as we focus on uh, the word of the Lord, God's word to us, and the proclamation and uh, instruction in the living, active word of God. And so Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to begin reading in verse 2. Uh, we have looked at uh, the first five verses in Galatians over the past two weeks together. And, uh, and today we will focus on verses 6 through 8 as we see that the Apostle Paul calls the Galatian churches to invest in sound teaching. So Galatians chapter 6, beginning in the second verse, the word of the Lord says, Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in, his, uh, in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're thankful for the opportunity that we have to gather together this day and to focus our hearts and minds on your word, your truth. We are thankful that you are a God who has spoken to us and you have spoken clearly and of necessity we need your word for our spiritual lives uh, we need your truth and we're so thankful that you have been gracious to speak to us and to preserve your word for us and to provide it for us in these bibles that we hold in our hands this day and lord we're thankful for your word for the truth of it and we're also thankful for the ministry of the holy spirit that helps to lead us into truth and help us understand believe and apply the truth to our lives. So, Lord, teach us this day through the ministry of your Spirit. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, kind of have to admit to you today, I'm a little bit uncomfortable uh, looking at, uh, at verse 6 as we talk about the investment in sound teaching. A little uncomfortable because uh, I make my living through the teaching of the Word of God, through through God's teaching, and we all know how people have, uh, uh, some preachers have abused this text uh, to encourage people, to manipulate people, to give sacrificially in order to serve their own self-interest, line their own pockets, and uh, I just pray that God would guard me from uh, uh, using this text in any, any self-serving way. But we uh, preach verse by verse through uh, the scripture through words of God, and so sometimes we come across passages that make us a little bit uncomfortable. So uh, uh, I pray that God would uh, 
would, would guard my heart and uh, help me teach the truth of these passages w- without manipulating the text in any self-serving way or being perceived in any, any self-serving way. I'm so thankful and so grateful for the way Community of Grace has uh, come alongside and supported me and my family over these years. And so uh, uh, I, I know that there is great sacrificial giving in the members of this church, and I, I value that and I appreciate that. But the Apostle Paul is really the, 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 uh, the perfect person to address, address us for the Galatian churches. Because Paul is not uh, a teacher in the Galatian churches. And so he is able to give this instruction, to give this command uh, on behalf of those Galatian teachers. Those true teachers. Those sound teachers in the churches in Galatia. And so Paul has nothing to gain of himself, nothing to gain on his own. And so he gives these instructions to the Galatian churches that they are to share in all good things with those who teach them. Those who are taught should share in all good things with those who teach them. So Paul does this on their behalf and, uh, and really sets the teachers free from having to maybe ask for a raise or ask for, uh, uh, for uh, proper compensation. And so Paul does a favor to the Galatian teachers, and he actually does a favor to all Bible teachers throughout uh, the ages as he instructs those who are taught to share in all good things with him who teaches. He counsels the people to invest in sound teaching. And, uh, and we can imagine those, those true teachers in Galatia, those, those teachers of the truth, those preachers of the gospel you know, and uh, uh, are, are teaching the believers that they have been set free from the law. They are not under the law, they are under grace. And they are preachers of the gospel and not preachers of the law. The false teachers have come in and preached a message of salvation of grace plus works, of, of law plus grace, faith plus works, uh, Jesus plus self-effort. But these true, these true preachers, the true preachers of the gospel, are preaching a salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. We are saved by God's grace through our faith in Jesus, believing that he fulfilled the law in perfect righteousness, and then he fulfilled the demands of the law against us as lawbreakers as he died on the cross to satisfy God's wrath against all who believe. God raised him from the dead to show that sacrifice was accepted, and he calls on us to turn from sin and trust in Christ alone uh, for our salvation. Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And so these true teachers in Galatia are teaching that we are saved apart from the law. We are not under the law. We are free from the law. And the law that has been most often mentioned in the book of Galatians is uh, the law of circumcision. Uh, But another law that was under the old covenant that is no longer binding on believers is the law of tithing. You know, the old covenant speaks of tithing. Of, uh, uh, and then there's actually, you know, and tithe means 10%, but in the old covenant there were actually three tithes. And one of those tithes was called the tithe of the Levites. And so the, the, the Levites, the priests, the teachers of the law, the keepers of the law... Those who were charged with the task of instructing the people in the law and teaching the law were supported by the tithes of the people. 
But the new covenant, we are not under the law. The law of tithing does not apply to New Testament believers. And so one of the laws that the Galatian teachers said that people weren't under was you're not under the law of tithing. You're not required to bring a tithe. You're not saved by bringing your tithe into the storehouse. And so these teachers are saying you are free from the law and maybe that true teaching, maybe that true doctrine put the teachers in a position where they were unable to make ends meet. They were unable to devote themselves totally and completely to the teaching of, of, of God's Word. And so Paul writes these instructions to help those teachers, to tell the teachers, the, the people in Galatia, even though you're not under the law, you do have a responsibility, a duty, an obligation to invest in sound teaching. You have a need to invest in, in, in sound teaching. And this is part of the burden bearing of uh, the church that, uh, that Paul has addressed in the previous passages. We just looked at verse 5 where he says, each one shall bear his own load. And so now Paul talks about the importance of helping bear the burden of those who teach. The, he, 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 it's almost as he writes this word, he thinks of those sound teachers and thinks that some in the church may hear him saying that uh, these teachers need to bear their own load. Don't worry about them. You're not responsible for them. But then he adds, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who is teaching. So the teachers are to bear the load of teaching, but the congregation, the people who are taught, help bear the burden of that teacher's financial needs so that he can focus his attention and his, and his time and energy toward rightfully dividing the word of cross, the, the, word, of, the word of God, the word of Christ. And so, uh, so he has said each one should bear his own load, and then he also talks of bearing one another's burdens to fulfill the law of Christ. And so Paul tells the Galatian churches that they need to invest in sound teaching. And that's part of bearing the load, sharing burdens. It is part of sharing in the gospel, and it is a part of reaping and sowing. It is therefore an investment. So let's look at the four ways that Paul talks about uh, uh, this importance of investing in sound teaching. Number one, the teachers bear the load, bear the responsibility of sound teaching. Verse 26, he says, let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. So there are those who are gifted and called to be teachers of the word in the congregations, in the Galatian churches, and those who are gifted and called bear the load, the responsibility of being faithful teachers of the word. Now, teaching simply means to uh, orally instruct, to give orderly, systematic instruction in the word, those who are taught the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so there are those that God gifts and that God calls to be the teachers of the church. Teaching is to be, in fact, teaching is an essential 
ministry of the local church. A church that is not involved in the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God is not a church. Teaching is an essential ministry of the local church. It is essential to being a church. When Jesus, just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave the commission to his followers. He gave them their mission statement. He said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe everything whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you to the end of the age. Teaching is an essential ministry of the church. It's an essential to making disciples. We don't just baptize them. We baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then we teach them to observe everything that Jesus has commanded. Teaching is an essential ministry of the local church. If a church is not teaching and preaching the Word of God, it is not a church. No matter what they call themselves, teaching is essential. And God calls teachers and gifts them with the supernatural ability to give instruction in the words of God. Teaching is a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the teachers, the pastor teachers, are also a gift that is given to the church. In Ephesians 4.11, God has given some, Christ has given to the church pastor teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Teaching is essential to being a church. It's an essential ministry of the church, but it is not the only ministry of the church. And so the teachers, the pastor teachers, equip the saints for their work of the ministry. They bear that burden. And y'all remember in the, on Wednesday nights when we were going through the Old Testament prophets, the minor prophets, you remember how many times the prophet would describe the message that he was given to teach and to preach as a burden. And, and even one of the minor prophets, his name means the bearer of a burden, Nahum. Nahum's name means bearer of a burden. And so this responsibility, this duty that they are to load, verse 5, for each one shall bear his own load. The teacher is given the load, the duty, the responsibility to faithfully teach the Word of God. It is a supernatural gifting, but it is also a burden, a work that is to be done. And so some in the church were to invest in sound teaching and some invest in sound teaching by bearing the load of being the teachers and rightly dividing the word, the, the, dividing the word of God. And it is work. And, uh, uh, and it is also a compulsion. Paul would say in the New Testament in another place, Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. He's been given this burden of preaching the gospel. And it is a compulsion, a, a, a a, a responsibility, a duty, an obligation. And Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet, described, uh, he, he said, his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. God's word is, is burning and ready to come out, and the teachers have a responsibility and a duty to proclaim that word. They are gifted by the Holy Spirit, they are gifted to the church by the Holy Spirit to be pastor teachers, and they carry this burden of rightly dividing the word of truth. 
And so it's a gift of God. God gives the gift to do the work, but he does not do the work for you. It is a work to fan into flame that gift that it might be a blessing to those who hear. And Paul will tell a young preacher in 2 Timothy chapter 2 to be diligent. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. So it is a job, it is work. And Timothy was called to devote himself to rightly dividing the word of God, to be diligent, to work hard to make sure that he was rightly dividing the word of truth. And so some within the church, we are to invest in sound teaching. Teaching, sound teaching is an essential ministry of the church. It's one of the things that defines us as a church. And some within the church, a few within the church, bear the load of being the teachers, faithfully instructing the saints in the Word of God, teaching them to observe everything that He has commanded, called to be diligent to invest their time and their effort and their energy and rightly dividing the word of truth, and then systematically informing others, instructing others, teaching others the great truths of the Bible, the doctrines of the faith, and the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Some within the church are called to bear that load. And so uh, he calls the churches to invest in sound teaching. Some within the church, a few, a very few within the church, bear the load of being the teachers, and then most within the church are called to help share the burden of the teacher so that they might set, be set free to do, to do their work. And so number two, most within the church are called to invest in sound teaching by sharing the load, sharing the burden of the teachers, thereby setting them free to teach. Paul says in verse 6, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. And so there are only a few within every congregation that are given the spiritual gift of teaching. Teaching is an essential ministry of the church. If we are not teaching the Bible, we are not a church. Teaching is an essential ministry, and teaching is a spiritual gift and teachers are a gift to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so there are only a few teachers in each congregation by God's stewardship. God gives the gifts, and then God gifts the gifted to the church, but only a few within each congregation are given the spiritual gift of teaching. He gives the gifts, and he puts each member in the body as he would have them, as he would design them. And, uh, and, and in, his, in his economy, he does not gift a lot of ch uh, one church with a lot of teachers, and that's because the teaching ministry usually happens in the public gathering of the church. Where most of the teaching is done, there is teaching house to house. There is teaching that happens one on one. But most of the teaching ministry of the church help, happens in the gatherings of the church. And Paul says that uh, in the public gatherings of a, of, a, of, a, of a church, only one person should speak at a time. Only 
two or three in the whole worship service. And so if everybody in the church had the spiritual gift of teaching, then the worship services would be very long if everyone had to exercise their gift of teaching in the meeting of the church. And that's why Paul says only two or three in a, in a service. Or there would be a lot of frustrated teachers. If everybody had the gift of teaching, there would be a lot of people who might not have opportunity to teach that day, and they would be like Jeremiah saying his word was like a, uh, in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary of holding him back, and I could not. And so God does not give a lot of gifted teachers to one congregation because only a limited number can exercise that gift in the life of the church. And so he gifts those teachers, and they are to bear the load of teaching, but the most, the many, are to invest in sound teaching by helping bear the burdens of the teacher's physical needs in order to set that teacher free to carry his load, to do his responsibility, to bear his burden. And so Paul says, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. And so the most are called to help share that burden. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Help meet those physical needs so that the teacher can be set free for the work, the diligent work of rightly dividing the word of truth and systematically instructing those who have been baptized to obey everything that he has commanded. And so that's God's economy. A few bear the load of teaching, the many bear the load of taking care of the teachers. And notice what he says, all good things. And so he's not just talking about salary, he's not just talking about pay, that is certainly a part of it. And Paul tells again Timothy, he says, let the elders, this is 1 Timothy 1, 17 and 18, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine, teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the labor is worthy, the laborer is worthy of his wages. And so certainly salary is a part of what, uh, what Paul is talking about here. Uh, those who preach the gospel, teach the gospel, should make their living from the gospel and should be paid a fair and acceptable wage, a wage that can enable them to meet their physical needs so that they can focus their attention on their diligently rightly dividing the word of God and systematically instructing the believers in the things of God. And so uh, uh, salaries in view. Don't muzzle the ox while it treads out the grain. The laborer is worthy of his wages. But notice before Paul talks about wages, he says the elders should be counted worthy of double honor. So not just their physical pay, not just their salary, not just their compensation, not just meeting their physical needs, but the double honor of esteem, appreciation, uh, gratitude for the position that they hold in the church as those who labor in the word 
and in doctrine. And so they should uh, be taken care of financially, but they should also be held in the esteem of those to whom they teach. So Paul calls the Galatian churches to invest in sound teaching. And some within the church, few within the church, are required to bear the load of being the teachers. The many in the church, most in the church, help share the burden of the teachers to set them free to do what God has gifted and called them to do, to diligently, rightly divide the word of truth and provide systematic instruction to the believers. And then third, the third thing we see about the investment in strong teaching is that uh, it is a partnership. Look, at, look again at verse 6. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. That word share, that's not the normal word that would talk about a salary or a wage. Compensating someone for their work. But that word is a word that talks about partnership. A fellowship, it's often translated. And so, let him who is taught the word fellowship have a partnership in all good things with him who teaches. And so it's not just compensation, but it is a partnership, a fellowship in the teaching ministry. Not everybody's called to teach. Not everybody's gifted to teach. But everybody can share in the teaching ministry, be a partner in the teaching ministry by helping take care of the teachers so that the teachers are set free to diligently present themselves or prove to God a worker that is not ashamed, who is rightly dividing the word of Christ. And so you partner in the teaching ministry even when you are not a gifted or called teacher. It is a partnership. And Paul, uh, in the book of Philippians, you remember the book of Philippians, we went through it a couple years ago. Uh, Paul is in prison. And Paul has received a gift from the church at Philippi, the Philippian church is sent from Epaphroditus. They sent a gift to Paul. And Paul writes the book of Philippians, the letter to the church at Philippi, mostly as a thank you note, a thank you letter. Thank you for the gift that you have sent to me through Epaphroditus. And, and I thank you not because I was in need, because I have learned the secret of being content. I know what it's like to be in need. I know what it's like to have nothing. I also know what it's like to be in abundance and have a lot. And I thank you for your gift, but not because I was in need, but because of your partnership in the gospel, your fellowship in the gospel. You have been partners with me in the gospel from the beginning, and you are partners with me now, even though that I am imprisoned by meeting my physical needs you are a partner in the gospel. You are a partner in my teaching. You're a partner in my preaching. You're a partner in my ministry because you have given graciously to my physical needs, Paul says to the church at Philippi, to the Philippian believers. And so it is a partnership. We, it is not to be seen as an employee-employer relationship. That, uh, you know, that, that uh, if you pay somebody's salary, you're their boss and you can hire them and fire them. That's not what is in view here. What is in view here is a partnership, a fellowship in the gospel. 
God has supernaturally equipped the teacher. He has called the teacher. He has given the teacher to the church as his gift. And all the members of the church share the burden of taking care of that teacher. And they become partners in the teaching ministry of the church. Even though themselves are not gifted or called to be teachers or engaged in teaching. It is a partnership. So Paul calls us to invest in sound teaching. Some carry the load of being the teachers. The many bear the burden of taking care of the teacher. And it is a partnership, a fellowship. Everybody in the congregation shares in the teaching ministry by helping take care of the teachers and set them free to be diligent, to present themselves to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed because he's rightly dividing the word of truth. And so, uh, uh, finally, fourth... Investing in sound teachers, it is an investment. So Paul says in verse 6, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Then look what he says in verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And so investing in the teaching ministry is... An investment. It is a, an investment because of the law of sowing and reaping. That which a man sows, he shall also reap. Now we have all heard this verse be misused. Paul is not saying that when you pay the preacher, God will repay you with interest. That's not the principle of sowing and reaping that is at work here. He is not saying that whatever you give, God will give back to you with more. Because that would be sowing to the flesh. If the only reason you're giving is because you are deceived and think that God will be obligated to pay you back with interest, then you are deceived and you are mocking God and you are sowing to the flesh. If the only reason you give to God or God's church or God's teachers is so that you will be paid back, then you are deceived, you are mocking God, and you are sowing to the flesh. If all you care about is your financial return, you are sowing to the flesh. And look what he tells us in verse 8. If you sow to your flesh, what will you reap? You will reap corruption. And so, it is an investment, but it is not an investment that you can expect pay in this life with interest. And so, paying the preacher does not obligate God to pay you back with interest. Because that's sowing to the flesh. If that's the only reason you're giving, then you can expect to reap corruption. The fruit of the flesh that he's talked about in the earlier part or back in chapter 5. And so it's not that kind of transaction. That is deception. And if you believe you can obligate God to bless you, to pay you back, then you are mocking God and you are self-deceived. And so what is the investment? What is the investment when we invest in sound teaching? Jesus tells us 
the point of discipleship, the point of being taught. In Luke chapter 6, verse 40, Jesus says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And so we need to invest in sound teaching. And we need to invest in sound teachers. If everyone, when he's perfectly trained, will be like his teacher, we only need to invest in teachers that we want to be like. We only want to invest in teachers that can say to us, you follow me as I follow Jesus. You imitate me as I imitate Christ. You invest in teachers who have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Because if you invest in the Spirit, if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap everlasting life. And so it's not a a, uh, quid pro quo investment. I invest in teachers and God pays me back with interest. No, no. We invest in teachers who have godly lives that we want to emulate, that we want to imitate. We invest in teachers who are following Christ and are Christ-like. And that's why when Paul gives the qualifications of elder in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1, the vast majority, there are only two competencies, two things that the elder must be able to do. He must be able to rule his house well, and he must be apt to teach. Those are the only two competencies, the only two qualifications, things he must be able to do. But the long list of qualifications don't focus on competencies, but focus on character. His character, his godly character his Christ-likeness. And all of those characteristics that must be true of the elder are characteristics that are also commanded for all believers. To be above reproach, to be holy, to be godly, not to be violent, not to be a drunkard. All of those character issues qualifications for the teacher and we should only invest in teachers who have that character those godly characteristics because those are characteristics that we want reproduced in us and so investing as a sound or, or investing in sound teaching investing in sound teachers only invest in those teachers that you can look at their life their godly life, their Christ-like behavior, and say, when I've been fully taught, I want to be like that teacher. I want to be like that man. Because of his godly characteristics, his godly character traits. And so Paul calls the Galatian churches to invest in sound teaching. Invest in sound teaching. It's an investment. Some within the church, few within the church are are called to bear the load of being the teachers. 
The many within the church are called to bear the burden of the teacher, setting him, setting him free to be diligent, to present himself or prove to God a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And it's a sharing, a partnership in the ministry. Not all are teachers, but everybody can share in the teaching ministry by sharing and bearing the burden of the teacher. And you need to sow, invest in teachers who live a life that you want reproduced in yourself. That when you've been fully taught, you will be like the teachers. Only invest in those teachers who, who give sound doctrine, sound teaching, who teach the truth. But who also can say to you, you follow me as I follow Jesus. You imitate me as I imitate Christ. Invest in sound teaching. Invest in teachers who are competent, who teach the truth, who govern their house well, but who also have Christ-like character worthy of imitation. And so these true teachers were preaching the gospel of grace you're not saved by observing the law. You're not saved by tithing. And tithing does not improve your standing before God. It's not part of your justification. It's not part of your sanctification. It's an old covenant, Old Testament law. And you're not under law, but you're under grace. And these sound teachers were teaching that gospel that you are saved by God's grace through your faith in Jesus Christ and in Him alone by works of the law, even the law of tithing. No man can be justified, but you are under grace. You've turned from your sin and put your trust in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. You believe He died for the sins of all who, who trust in Him alone and God raised Him from the dead to show that was His, sac his sacrifice was accepted. You've turned from your sin and put your trust in Jesus You've been born again in ever, everlasting life. You're not under the law. And maybe that puts some of those teachers in a tough spot. It's a, uh, the old covenant, the teachers were supported by the tithe. The tithe is not commanded to New Testament believers. But Paul calls on those churches to invest in sound teaching. And so as we think about this text and how it applies to our lives, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe some of you here are... are are, are called, being gifted to teaching. Maybe God is calling you to, 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 to bear the load of being the teacher, calling you out to prepare and to be diligent, to present yourself approved to God, a worker, not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of Christ. Maybe he's calling you out, revealing that he's gifted you to teach. Be obedient, respond to that with faith. And many, the many are called to, to uh, share the burden of the, of the teacher's needs. And again, I'm so thankful for Community of Grace and how, how uh, y'all have given faithfully over these years to support me and my needs and to set me free to study and to be able to systematically give instruction to the Word of God. Thank you for your faithfulness. And God calls us to be discerning, to, to evaluate not only what the teacher says, very important, but also evaluate his life, his qualifications. Look into his home. Does he lead his home well? Is he apt to teach? 
And is he living a life worthy of imitation? Invest in sound teaching. That means we have to be discerning. We have to know the truth. We have to be able to distinguish truth from error. And we have to distinguish those true teachers from wolves in sheep clothing, from hirelings, those who are only in it for the paycheck. God calls us to be discerning and to evaluate the life and the teaching of those to whom we invest. Because it's a partnership and it's investment. And if we sow, if we invest in sound teaching, invest to those who are gifted by the Spirit, called by the Spirit, given to the church by the Spirit, if we invest in that teaching ministry, if we partner in that teaching ministry, then we will reap fruit of everlasting life. The blessings of everlasting life and the life to come and in this life today. It is a sound investment. You know, I don't know a lot about farming, but I can imagine the, the farmer going out to sow seed does it with joy because of the expectation and the anticipation of a bountiful harvest. And Paul calls the Galatian churches and through the ages all churches to invest in sound teaching, believing that you will reap what you sow. Invest in sound teaching, those empowered by the Spirit, and you will reap of the Spirit everlasting life. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word and for your truth. And Lord, we thank you for your economy. Raising up teachers, gifting them, and then gifting them to your church. And Lord, we pray that Community of Grace would be known for its sound teaching and preaching ministry, faithful to the Word. And Lord, I thank you for faithful partners sharing in the ministry by helping bear the burdens of the teacher. And Lord, we pray that you would be pleased to find us faithful in that and to make it fruitful, to add to our number those that are being saved. As we partner in the ministry and as we seek to sow according to the Spirit that we might reap everlasting life. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to invite you to take out your hymnal.